This podcast is brought to you by the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities. It boosts our economy. It creates jobs. It even powers space travel. It's nuclear energy. And it does so much more than you think. Discover all nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Week Ahead Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shaped the real world. In his 2016 campaign, President Donald Trump pledged to withdraw the United States from foreign conflicts and focus his efforts at home. But since he's moved to inflame a nuclear-armed dictator in North Korea and to increase the American troop presence in Afghanistan, He's also looking at withdrawing from a deal his predecessor, Barack Obama, reached with Iran to end its nuclear program. And all this amidst speculation that Secretary of State Rex Tillerson may not be long for his job. So, Pat Pexton, there are reports this week that President Trump is thinking about backing out of the deal that his predecessor, Barack Obama, reached with Iran in 2015 to end Iran's nuclear program in exchange for the lifting of sanctions. What's going on? Trump's already made the decision to not necessarily rescind the agreement, but to dump it on Congress's lap. And he would do that by saying that this is no longer in the national interest of the United States. And here, Congress, you take this hot potato and uh, do something with it. And if he does that, he says he'll do it maybe as early as next week, then it starts a process in Congress where they have to affirmatively vote to reimpose economic sanctions on Iran. And there was some deadline coming up that's pressing this issue forward? Yeah, he has to do this by October 15th. Uh, so there's a, there's a, there is a deadline. He has to either certify that Iran is still in compliance, and he has to certify at the same time that it is in the national interest of the United States to continue the agreement. And after President Obama reached the deal, Congress, uh, the Republicans in Congress, tried to pull us out, and they were they failed in that. They they did, and you know Republicans almost unanimously voted against this deal and the law that passed in Congress that gives them a role in it. So uh, it might be very tempting for Republicans in the House and Senate to just dump this deal, but I think if they do that, they'll get a lot of pushback for, from Democrats, and they'll get a lot of pushback from the rest of the world as well. So it's been in force for a couple of years. Uh, how has it been working? Do we know anything about how, if Iran is complying? Well, even uh, the Joint Chiefs Chairman, uh, General uh, Dunford, and Secretary Mattis, the Defense Secretary, have said that, yes, Iran is in compliance. I believe at this point in time, absent indications to the contrary, it is something the president should consider staying with. That deal is a very rigorous deal that has very intrusive inspections by the International Atomic Energy Agency. They are regularly in Iran. They have monitors everywhere at uh, Iran's nuclear facilities. And everybody has certified that they're still in compliance. What bothers Trump and what bothers the administration is that Iran is very active throughout the Middle East. It's supporting the war in Yemen. It's supporting Hezbollah in Lebanon. It's supporting uh, the Shiites uh, fighting in Syria against the, the so-called democratic forces. I mean, Iran is very active throughout the Middle East, and this is what worries uh, conservatives. So he doesn't want to be in a deal with them. He, does, he wants to force them to, to drop the program with sanctions. I think Trump thinks, and the, the real 
Hardliners think that if you dump the deal, you can either get a better deal or put more pressure on Iran to stop these other activities around the, the Middle East. But it could potentially put us in a situation like we are in with North Korea, the other uh, hot potato out there. It, it could exactly. I mean, the, the, the worrisome thing here is that if you drop this nuclear deal, I don't see any incentive for Kim Jong-un in North Korea to make a deal with Israel. Why would he do that after a years-long, five years-long negotiations? We just dump the deal uh, like that. Why would he ever want to make an agreement with this? So I think it hurts that situation, too. Right. And North Korea already has nuclear weapons. Uh, the only difficulty they're facing is mounting them on a warhead that could reach the United States. That's correct. I mean, the, the U.S. government has has said that they certainly have nuclear weapons. They can certainly shoot them across the ocean and hit our land. Uh, whether they miniaturized the actual warhead well enough to get it to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere after it goes into space is a little bit of a question mark. But a lot of experts around town are saying you should assume that they can do that. And so Trump and North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un exchanged insults last month. And do we know anything? Has it yielded any results? Uh, I don't think it has yielded any results. I think Trump believes that if he's a very public tough guy and a swaggering uh, semi-bully or maybe complete bully, that these people will back down. I think maybe that's true in Manhattan real estate deals. I'm not so sure that's true with China or North Korea or with Russia or with Iran. I think that may be a little naive. And so the other issue on out there is Afghanistan. Trump has proposed a plan to... Uh, change our strategy in Afghanistan to increase the American troop presence there. It, it was a bit of a surprise because during his campaign, he had pledged to withdraw us from foreign conflicts. So there was a hearing in the Senate Armed Services Committee this week about the new strategy. How did that go? That did not go well for the Trump administration officials, uh, Defense Secretary Mattis and uh, General Dunford. They were questioned very uh, closely uh, by House members and Senate members about what is really this new Afghanistan strategy? Why are we sending in 8,000 more troops after 16 years of fighting? Uh, we used to have 100,000 or more troops there. That didn't work. There's great skepticism in Congress that this strategy will work. And John McCain, uh, who is very vocal on this issue, says not only is he skeptical, there's not enough details, there's not enough meat on the bone of this new Afghanistan plan to really satisfy him. We need a strategy to succeed. And if we can know that strategy, which is being developed, I hope, I can assure you, you will receive the bipartisan strong support from members of this committee and the Congress. He's already started holding some nominees to fill uh, mid-level Defense Department posts because he doesn't think the strategy is good enough or detailed enough. So Pat McCain's criticism was notable because McCain is a hawk in the Senate. He's, he favors a activist foreign policy. And why are people concerned about the situation on the ground in Afghanistan? What's going on there right now? Well, Defense Secretary Mattis labeled it a stalemate, that the Taliban have uh, gotten to a sufficient strength they can battle the Afghan security forces that we've trained, and they're kind of at a stalemate. McCain goes a step further and says we're losing in Afghanistan, that the government forces of Afghanistan are losing to the Taliban, and it makes him a little bit apoplectic. So he really wants a strategy for Afghanistan, but he's just not certain that what Trump has presented 
is a real strategy. And the Taliban, of course, are the Islamist regime that controlled Afghanistan when we invaded in 2001. That is correct. We invaded Afghanistan to get rid of the Taliban and Osama bin Laden because they had uh, given him shelter and allowed him to do his nefarious plans from Afghanistan. So it seems after 16 years, uh, where have we really gone? And I, just the other thing I, we should add here is that this shows Trump to be an activist foreign policy president. We're in a confrontation with North Korea. We might soon be in a confrontation with Iran. We have added troops or sending troops to Afghanistan. We've actually added more troops in Iraq and Syria that hasn't gotten a lot of attention. We had three Green Berets killed in the West African country of Niger. Uh, this is a very active president militarily, and he's uh, confronting things around the world. I wouldn't call that somebody pulling back uh, or much of an isolationist. So can we say anything about Trump's philosophy as it comes to foreign policy? Is there anything unifying you're, that you're seeing? Uh, he calls it America first. And I get that. I see that. Uh, Secretary of State Tillerson used the same phrasing this uh, week when he came out and pledged uh, loyalty to Trump. Uh, they think that uh, Barack Obama was not assertive enough, and now they're being more assertive. But I don't know how many conflicts and uh, that we can handle at once. And there's a lot of feeling around the world from our European allies, our Asian allies, that foreign policy, American foreign policy is untethered and shaky and uncertain. And that makes them all very nervous. We also recently pulled diplomats out of Cuba, sort of puts to an end a detente that Barack Obama had in place with the Cuban regime. Yeah, this is a really fascinating case where we pulled out 15 or 20 diplomats who were having uh, unusual headaches, hearing loss, hard time sleeping because of some apparent white noise or something that's being aimed at them in the apartments and hotel rooms that they live in. It was a, It's still a very mysterious thing. There were indications this week from the State Department that this may not be caused by the Cubans, that it could be caused by a third-party government. And everybody's wondering, is that the Russians? Is that the North Koreans? Who is it? And Trump, uh, we thought he was going to move towards a new policy framework with Russia a more open relationship, a better relationship with Russia. He promised during the campaign he wanted to fight with Russia against ISIS in the Middle East. Has that proceeded? That really has not proceeded. Uh, you would think that Donald Trump, who did have extensive contacts with Russia over the years, and Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, who worked extensively in Russia for years, that if anyone could improve relations with Russia, they could. But I think they're being uh, held back by the investigations in Congress and by the special counsel into uh, meddling in the U.S. elections by Russia. I think they're being held back by people like John McCain, who, who are very skeptical of getting closer to Russia. And I think they haven't gotten very far down that road. Very interesting. So what can we say about um, how Congress views Trump's approach to foreign policy. You had the Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Bob Corker this week make some remarks that people took as uh, criticism. Uh, yes, Bob Corker, who's the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate, who announced his retirement this week, uh, said that... I, I think uh, Secretary Tillerson, Secretary Mattis, and uh, Chief of Staff Kelly uh, are those people that help separate our country from chaos. And uh, I uh, support them very much. He essentially goes to sleep at night knowing that there are three adults in the room, and those three adults are Defense Secretary Mattis, a former general, Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, 
and uh, General Kelly, who's the White House chief of staff. Uh, and he indicated that he was not comfortable with Trump and less and less comfortable as time goes by. And we'll be right back. And now more from our sponsor, the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities and towns across the country. It creates jobs. It adds billions to the economy. It even powers space travel. Life as we know it wouldn't be life as we know it without it. And it's called nuclear energy. Yes, nuclear energy. Every day, nuclear energy helps us to keep our country running and moving forward. Discover all the things nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. Nuclear. And we're back. So, Patrick Kelly, let me turn to you and address the situation with Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State. Now, there's been a series of events that have raised questions about whether he will be in his position much longer. And it started, tell us what, with a dispute over North Korea policy. Right. There was a, there was a dispute on, on that. Rex Tillerson was uh, in China, and he uh, talked about opening up diplomatic communications with North Korea, uh, to which President Trump responded on Twitter that he would be wasting his time. And so that um, kicked off the most recent spat. Yeah, and that's quite quite striking to have the president contradict his own secretary of state about an important diplomatic issue. Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, actually, I um, spoke with Senator uh, Jim Risch about this. He's the number two on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He had a bit of a different take um, on on this, um, but uh, it, it is something that you know we certainly haven't seen in previous administrations. And then there was a report in NBC News that Tillerson had said uh, something derogatory about Trump, and this led to what? Sure, yeah. Uh, NBC reported that back in July in a meeting at the Pentagon between top national security officials that Rex Tillerson Tillerson called Trump a moron. Now, Trump wasn't present at that meeting. Recently, uh, just this past week, Rex Tillerson uh, took uh, to the the podium to uh, address these reports, and he didn't outright refute it. Um, he said he just doesn't like to talk about the petty issues like that. But he said he wanted to stay in his job. Yeah, he pledged his loyalty to President Trump and the uh, the America First uh, foreign policy agenda. But nonetheless, we're hearing that perhaps he won't be long for the position. Sure, yeah. There have been uh, recent reports that the CIA director, Mike Pompeo, former member of Congress, um, could be the one to uh, replace Rex Tillerson should he be forced out of his job or retire. Um, or resign, I should say. And, uh, you know, right now, Pompeo has a a big portfolio as CIA director. He uh, briefs the president uh, almost daily, I believe, and uh, is seen to be as part of President Trump's inner circle. Now, Tillerson was previously the CEO of ExxonMobil. He was not in government service. He hadn't worked in the foreign policy arena. Um, So he was seen skeptically, it's fair to say, by the employees of the State Department, the, the Foreign Service. Since he's taken over as Secretary of State, the dissent channels um, have kind of been flooded with, um, you know, with frankly, just with dissent about uh, some of his leadership. And he's undergoing or starting this process of a reorganization at the State Department, which has been controversial. A number of top diplomats have quit. Top diplomats have quit, and they uh, still have yet to fill some top posts, uh, including the ambassador to uh, South Korea, which is an important job right now. Now, Bob Corker, uh, who we mentioned before, the Senate Foreign Relations Chairman from Tennessee, he's announced he's retiring. Uh, He's not going to run for re-election next year. So that perhaps gave him license to speak his mind a little more about the Trump administration. Um, Are we hearing similar things, though, from other members of Congress, other members of the Foreign Relations or International Affairs Committees? 
So uh, aside from Corker and McCain, most Republicans are staying mum on this issue with a couple exceptions, one of them being Tom Cotton of Arkansas. He recently uh, met with President Trump, had dinner with him. And Cotton has always been an outspoken critic of the Iran deal. He gave a speech at the Council on Foreign Relations this past week, um, you know, reiterating that criticism. And then there's also Senator Mark Risch. Let me interject about Cotton there. He wrote a letter famously in 2015 to Iran saying that they should ignore the agreement because there could be a new president who did away with it. Yes, and maybe Cotton uh, was was prescient in writing that letter. Uh, we will have to see. Um, you know, right now, uh, when this gets kicked over to the Senate, or I should say, if it gets kicked over to the Senate, it would uh, be a 51-vote uh, issue to reimpose the sanctions on Iran. And right now, Republicans, like I said, have stayed mum. What about Rish? You mentioned Rish before. Sure, yeah. Rish, um, you know, he's definitely one of the stronger supporters. Uh, I, I spoke with him recently about, you know, President Trump going on Twitter and calling out um, Rex Tillerson. And, and he said that that was a, kind of a something semantic that we in the media maybe didn't uh, cover so fairly. He said that he wasn't telling, um, Rish said that Trump wasn't telling Tillerson not to do it. He said he was just wasting his time. So it's a very kind of a semantic reading of of that uh, interaction. And um, he said that he thinks that this is kind of something ginned up, um, this controversy is ginned up by the media and by Democrats. So Jim Rish of Idaho taking Trump's side. Trump has his defenders then on the Hill as well. He has his defenders and Jim Rish could rise in the ranks um, with Senator Corker retiring. Um, he will also be vacating his chairmanship of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And Jim Rish is the number two on that committee. And if Republicans hold their majority, then he will be the chairman. All right. Thank you for coming on, Patrick. Thank you for coming on, Patrick. Thank you, Sean. Pleasure to be here. I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One.